Hello and welcome to Critical Line Item. My name is Tom Rabbit. Thank you for joining me for this particular podcast. One of the things that happens at about June or July every single year is that people start to complain about uh, various scams that crop up. Now, you'll see this these things pop up all over the place, whether it's the ATO, whether it's the Australian Taxation Office, or whether it's another government agency. There are those that will seek to make people fear the consequences of not acting on a particular phone call or a particular email. But those emails have got a a sting in them as have the phone calls. They're not really asking for you to pay a debt. They're asking for your details. But we need to explore this a bit more with Jacqueline Jane, who's a security awareness advocate at NoB4. She's going to take us through a few things that will be may be common to you, but are worthwhile reinforcing. And there might be some stuff that's new to you as well. Jacqueline, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Tom. Lovely to be here. Now, can you outline the landscape for people that are not technologically savvy? Because not everyone knows their way around an iPhone or knows their way around um, a, a computer, as well as those of us that use the tools every day as part of our work. What what's the world like out there in terms of the bad actors that, that seek to sort of pry things from us? Well, their their landscape is really quite busy, um, and I think you're absolutely right. If you're a non-technology person, some of this can be really quite confusing. So what I'll start with is talking about the three elements that we'll be discussing today. The first one is phishing, which are malicious emails. So emails with links or attachments or directives that get you to act usually without thinking. Um, And then we have SMS phishing, which is called smishing. And it's part of the ishing family, as I like to call it, um, where you get an SMS where there'll be a link in there or instructions to call um, that, again, could be malicious. And finally, the third member of the ishing family is vishing, which is voice phishing. And that can be either the robocalls where you answer the phone and it's the voice, you know, this is the tax department, please press one, or a real person who is going to be scamming you pretending to be from somewhere they're not. So they're the main things we're talking about today. So it's important for people to understand what they are. And there's literally hundreds of previously successful tax time phishing scams from the scammers. Now, some people interchange scammers with cyber criminals, with bad actors. They're all the same. They're breaking the law and they're out to steal your information and your money. And we see the same scams year on year and literally millions of dollars are being stolen from hardworking Australians, Tom. Okay, let, let's let's break those three down because we've got, uh, we've got several issues that crop up in each of them. Let's start yes, with do. the let's start with the phishing email. Uh, yep. Describe to the the person that isn't aware of what a phishing email is, what they can expect to see when they get one. 
Sure. Um, and it's a good question and something to keep in mind as well. Whilst we're talking about tax time right now um, and we're talking about these malicious emails that could be from either the Australian Tax Department, ATO or MyGov, because they both communicate this information. This could be for anything else as well. So when we talk about the red flags to look at um, in phishing emails, there's there's over 20 of them that we need to be aware of. And often they can be something simple as spelling your name wrong or the inbox where you have a look at where and who has sent an email to you. And you can see, hold on a minute, that's not Tom, that's spelt differently, or that's not his usual email. There could be a link in there, which is usually called the hyperlink in blue, um, and it looks like it's the ATO, because you can change the text on any link. People don't necessarily know that. So you need to hover your mouse. And again, people aren't sure about that either. So you get your mouse with the pointer and rest it over that hyperlink. And then you'll see in the usually in the bottom left-hand corner of your computer screen, the URL the web address of where that link is going to. And sometimes it will say the correct address. Other times it's gobbledygook. It's X, Y, Z, A, B, C, 4932. And you say, whoa, that's not the ATO. Um, and there's an official ATO website, which I'll say it a few times, is www.ato.gov.au. And if ever you get an email that asks you to click on something, open an attachment, a PDF, a Word document, a spreadsheet, whatever that might be, Tom, we really need to be cautious because most of the time, if we have an emotional response, so let's say we've gone to our inbox, it's tax time, we open it up and we see um, the tax department uh, are going to be demanding money from you. So your first thought is to... <gasps> Take a breath, get a bit concerned because no one wants to owe the tax department money or even if you didn't know about it. And then you'll open the email and it will be demanding. It will look like it's from the tax department. And this is the scary thing. No more text. It's all HTML, which is the, the graphics, the hypertext markup language. So things look really cool in the email. And you think this is from the tax department. You mm -hmm. don't look at anything other than the instruction, Tom, and people click. And then they give away their information without thinking. So a malicious email is designed to catch you off guard, to promote an emotional response, to get you to engage when you normally wouldn't. And if you took a breath, took some time, really had a look at it and think, okay, well, maybe I do owe money. I don't know. Or maybe I have been just given extra money from my tax because there's a, there's a reverse scam as well ring the tax department or go to their website. Don't click on anything. So it's a really tough call for people, Tom, because it's about emotion. Um, have you had any experience with the phishing emails yourself, Tom? Uh, I've, I seem to recall clicking on something many years ago and then somebody somewhere in the middle of the Middle East was mucking about with emails and then had to change security settings. So... This would have been when I was significantly less sensible. But the <laughs> it's, but, oh, it's not even that, Tom. It's it's the awareness, and that's the key. Once you know what to look for, all yeah. of a sudden, it's, oh, okay, hold on, this could be a scam. 
Um, there's a MyGov scam going on that actually comes to you as an email where it's MyGov saying, please update your details. It's got images of the MyGov app and says, please click on this link to update your details. And it looks so official, people are clicking. Well, the other thing that um, is it, interesting in, in terms of emails is there's a lot of phishing emails that... Um, the you know, the mail uh, web webmail providers like Gmail automatically clean out and put into your spam folder. Um, Correct. I looked at my spam folder not so long ago, and I discovered that I was responsible for giving myself all sorts of offers. Oh yes. Um, and my that, that, loves. Oh, I, I I love the fact I give myself all sorts of offers, but. <laughs> The and that's what um, our the listeners will need to learn about as the email spoofing where your name might appear on um, in the field of a, of a sender, but the email address is something else completely. It looks like uh, the email. It would probably look like hieroglyphics from from a dead Egyptian pharaoh's um, <laughs> pyramid, but. Uh, that's neither here nor there, but but the point is the point is it looks weird, it looks exotic, and it's not your normal email. But no, someone looking at it may well decide I'm going to click on that because it it looks like it's from uh, Tom or it's from Jane or it's from uh, Jacqueline or it's from Bob, Fred, Sally, but it it's not. And that, that I think is the interesting thing. Now we, we've got the SMS, the SMS, um, a phishing mechanism which we sort of crept in, but more more use of the SMS stuff. It yes, is that that seems to be one designed to get a more instantaneous response, isn't it? It is, because if we're on our mobile devices, we tend to be on the move. That's why they're called mobiles. And you're not paying attention necessarily. And I think um, one interesting thing that's taken place before I talk specifically about the things we're seeing from the ATO and MyGov from a fraud perspective, so people pretending to be from them, mm-hmm. is a few months back, um, or maybe six six weeks, Telstra um, put in a big change in stopping scam and spamming type SMSs coming to Telstra customers' mobile devices. Um, and there was half a million of them a day they were stopping. That's 500,000 a day. And mm-hmm. it's phenomenal numbers. And what we saw then was everyone else in Optus and Vodafone were getting smashed, literally, with all of these smishing uh, SMSs. So the smishing SMS is a malicious SMS that will either ask you to please log into your account, verify your details to make sure your account is secure, click here, and it looks official because people probably realise now that the web address will be shortened because it doesn't fit. So it might be bit.ly, bit.ly. People people can see it. They know what I'm talking about. Rather than a big email or, sorry, big um, URL web address, it's condensed. But they'll have something in there like gov help where you think, oh, yeah, that's legitimate. And the last little words it might say is, if you don't do this between within 24 hours, your account will be locked, which is pretty scary if you rely on MyGov or you need access to the ATO portal. 
um, and people click without thinking. And by clicking, it could be harmless from your visual perspective and it might take you to what looks like an error page or a fake tax page. What it's done when you've clicked is potentially deployed malicious software onto your phone. Then your phone will start to do weird things um, and the cyber criminal can quite frankly, take all your information from your phone and be ghosting and watching everything you do. It's terrifying. And these things can also work in the positive, Tom. So some people um, will get a text from what looks like the ATO again. It's not real. So you have got some money, extra money in your tax this year. Um, and it could be only a few hundred dollars, could be a couple of thousands of dollars. Whatever it is, you think, oh, cool, that's fantastic. And please verify your information to receive the funds. Click here. And people click. You can't verify. You can't hover over a link in an SMS. So um, the most important thing, as well as the smishing, as well as the phishing, so fake emails and fake SMSs, is the ATO and MyGov will never ever, ever send you a text message with a link in it or an email with a link in it. Never, ever. They will communicate to you and say, hey, Tom, it's the ATO here or it's MyGov here. You have a new message in your inbox in your MyGov account. Please go and find it. They will not put a link in there for you to click. So that's a really key message for people. Um, but yeah, the text messages are really out of control. Only yesterday, I received six at the same time, telling me my credit card had been um, used. Please call this number. All the same number, but they were all coming in from different mobile numbers to my phone. So these things aren't stopping and we get them all the time. Most people, uh, if you're with Telstra, you won't get too many uh, these days, but if you are with Optus or Vodafone, please be aware they are increasing and you'll probably get these um, scams for tax time too. The other thing that uh, people can do, and it can be... Um, it can save a bit of time as well, is there will be certain numbers that you see come through, whether it be on messaging, uh, not so much on messaging, but on the, on, the, on the voice side of it, where they can register something or just say any silent number, any number that my phone does not recognise, mm. um, it goes through to the keeper. Um, yep. Which sort of plays to the theory that uh, if somebody is, um, if somebody really desperately wants to talk to you, they'll leave a message. Correct. Uh, but, um, but yeah, but, but that is a nice, neat segue into the, the little beast called the, the phone scam. Oh, how yes. Does, how does that little sucker operate? Well, this one's been around for a while, and this is called the vishing, so the voice phishing. And this could be um, one of my favourite ones is in the last few years, the ATO received reports of calls where you hear an automated voice that claims your tax phone number has been suspended and there's a legal case against your name. Then you're asked to press one or you'll be referred to the court and arrested. That's a pretty shocking message to get when it's a robotic call where you can't respond. So a lot of people press one. And when they do, they're put through to a real-life person who is a scammer, a cyber criminal, a bad actor, who tells them that their tax file number's been suspended due to money laundering 
or fraudulent activity. And then just to leverage it a little bit more, you're asked to provide the last four digits of your tax file number, your address, your date of birth, the name on your bank account, and the approximate amount of money in the accounts. Now, this is where it gets even more tricky. Remember, this started as a robocall. Now you're talking to a person. And if you're lucky, the scammer may transfer you to the fake police. They obviously tell you it's the real police. And then those, that person will say, yep, you've actually got a, we've got a case filed against you and you'll be arrested if you don't pay. Now, this is complex. This is a robocall followed by two different individuals, all part of the same scam. And you'd think, surely people aren't falling for this. Well, they do. And it's a scary amount of money that's actually lost when we look at the financial scams. So according to the ACCC, um, we lost as Australians $851 million to reported scams in 2020. Now, I would suggest there's a lot that aren't reported because it can be embarrassing. And uh, the impersonations of government impersonations last year, those losses were 1.9 million. So people are falling for this. They think they need to pay at the time of the call. And it can be really quite scary. And another example is it could be a human calling and saying, looking at like an official phone number. You can even program the number. You know how it comes up on your iPhone. I have an iPhone, so I can only talk to that, where it would actually say um, the name of the company at the very top. It could actually say tax department or tax office. Now, if you're unaware, you might think, oh, it's actually from the tax office. So those type of things, real people call and say the same type of stuff could be a question they want to ask and they want to clarify some details. If ever you receive a phone call and you think, oh, this could be real, it's from the tax department, you can and you are well within your rights to say, okay, thank you, I'm going to call an official number to check that this is a legitimate request and hang up and call 1-800-008-540. Then if it's a scammer, they're not going to care because they'll move on to their next victim. And remember, these are robocalls, so they're just sent out. And if 5% of people actually act on it, they could make a few thousand dollars in a, in a day or two. So it's really scary. Um, and it's not something that we can avoid anymore. Uh, the scammers are getting very clever. The numbers that pop up on your phone look like they're Australian numbers or mobile numbers. Yep. Because you can call Australia from anywhere in the world and switch that number and it looks like it's local. So the vishing is really quite scary, Tom, that's for sure. Now, if we... Um... There is something else that we've got um, uh, to cover, I guess, because we've spoken here about English language scams, right? Yep. Now, the ACCC has over the years become aware that there are people within the Chinese community as well who've been subjected to scams where, you know, they sound official. They yes. sound um, they sound as if the, a person is under 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 particular threat, or their family back home in China is likely to be under threat. Yeah. And there's a whole whole raft of activities there as well. So it's not just sort of tax office or social security type scams. It's the scams that are targeting a particular ethnic community. Yep. And creating a fear of you know, administrative retribution 
somewhere along the line when in fact nothing would ever happen uh, if you failed to do anything, if you just bothered to to think a bit. Correct. Look, these um, the cyber criminals, their playbook, as I call it, is very opportunistic. We saw back in um, late 2019, the scammers were taking advantage of the Australian bushfires from a charity perspective. Yep. There were scams everywhere, including social media scams. So in addition to the phishing family, there was also the scammers on social media. Yep. And then we saw COVID-19 scams with um, the same vishing, smishing, um, phishing, all of those things, and also buying products. They target everyone for a vulnerability, no matter where you are, no matter what you do. It is. Um, it could be a positive thing as well, is you've won something or you've been selected to do something. It it blows my mind that the the very reason that we as humans fall for these scams and you'd think after all this time we'd know not to, but I bring in a non-cyber example here, Tom, and think about driving a car. Here in Australia, um, we still have don't drive your don't drink and drive, you're a bloody idiot, and the the drug campaign, don't drive if you've taken drugs. So yeah. even though we know not to do it. We still do because we're human. We still have speed cameras, traffic lights, because we can't function without that kind of boundary and that reinforcement. And I think we as an organisation, as a um, country, we need to make sure that we're looking for that um, culture of security where we do think before we act and we're a long way from it. So this type of thing is very critical and thank you for doing it because the message of what to look out for, what to be aware of is key um, for everybody. It doesn't matter if you own a business, if you work for someone or you're home working remotely, you've got kids, elderly, parents, doesn't matter. We all need to know about this stuff. There is something else that I've just remembered yep. <laughs> that we should probably cover. Um, because people use social media extensively. They do. Um, they get on the Facebook. They get onto any number of things. I, the other day, I did a uh, for the first time ever. I was live streamed with a session with two other people. Labor in the states. I was here. I probably had the better half of the uh, the. Sort of the difference between between the two countries in terms of time, but yeah, you know, on Facebook there are people who buy ad space. Yep, and there are times there are products that are advertised, and if you click on it, you end up going to a website that, um, if you've got the right security software, virus software, right, firewall, you'll be told we've blocked something. Um, apart from apart from other things, Jacqueline, I've also, I've also learned not to uh, not to click on uh, not to click on buttons where there's a fancy looking Disney Disney lamp or lamp for sale because that's what caught me out. Uh, a yep. few years back, uh, do you find a lot of that that happening with the people you talk to? 
Absolutely. Um, no matter where we go uh, in life online, so whether it be even eBay, if we go to an official shopping site or Amazon or anywhere where there's other people who can join in, there's a potential for scammers to be there because we do fall for these things. We're not paying attention. And if you go to any website and someone has paid for advertising, often it's called clickbait where yeah. it will be quite a compelling headline that says, you know, you won't believe what happened here at this shop and you'll click because you want to find out we're curious by nature and it could take you to a news site that is all fake they spend a lot of time to make this stuff look good cyber criminals are are very intelligent they're sophisticated this is big business for them they make a lot of money and uh, we fall for it so if you see something like something you're looking for So we know with Facebook, maybe some people don't know, but all the things you do, all the activity you do elsewhere on the internet will often come back to Facebook and then it will deliver you the ads of the things you're looking for. Because you can think, hold on a minute, how did they know I'm looking for a Disney lamp? That's amazing. How This is extraordinary. You'll also be delivered the fake ads as well because it's really hard to differentiate who is real and who is fake online so absolutely um, yeah it's not a it's not an easy thing um and there's a lot of scammers who create fake profiles on social media it's a uh, look some people ask me tom shouldn't i just delete everything and not be online i say no not at all it's you need to, just to be aware of what you share where you're visiting what information you're sharing and if it's anything like personally identifiable information that someone could steal from you and then pretend to be you with identity fraud, don't share the information. Pick up the phone, call your bank, call the ATO, call MyGov, visit an official site, make sure you have official apps. If you do that, you'll probably be okay. Um, Having said that, we're never going to get away from this. So it's an ongoing opportunity for us to manage this. One of the things that I've been hearing from different people about over an extended period of time, whether it be um, sort of cybersecurity that is phishing or whether it be looking at uh, various campaigns that are run by you know, bad state actors, whether it be China or Russia, is a need for digital literacy, need to understand yes. what we're doing. Uh, to what extent? Um, is that critical in terms of the education of young people today? Absolutely. Um, And there's actually a new document that's just come out for us to be able to uh, give our thoughts and opinions um, on exactly that, for what do we need to be teaching our kids. And my opinion is like math. You can't learn calculus in kindergarten, but you learn the basics of what a unit is and this is one banana, this is, you know, this is two bananas. As you go through school, that increases to eventually year 10, 11 and 12. It's the calculus and you're getting into the nitty-gritty of the the big maths, as I call it. Uh, It should be the same with the the digital uh, literacy. So you need to understand what's happening. We are in a digital community and we give our kids sometimes very young a smartphone, which is giving them access to everything. Um, And I personally don't believe that's the right thing to do. Um, 
the flip side is parents also need to be aware, Tom, of what's going on because it's a lot of people say to me, oh, it's parents' responsibility, they should know. I say, yeah, but you don't know what you don't know. It's unfair to expect people to all of a sudden have that technological know-how. I've grown up with it um, and I love it and it has been, it's just I've immersed my whole life into technology because, um, you know, when I was a teenager, all these things were happening, you know, it was like, oh, my goodness, what is this stuff? My son has been born into it. Um, and when he got his first phone, I was very clear that this is for phone calls only. It's a dumb phone, not a smartphone. When he got older, then he got his smartphone. So it's critical for the kids to understand. And just like we teach them math, yeah. we should be teaching them that digital literacy over the years and it should continue into university. There's not one degree that you can tell me doesn't need to understand cybersecurity safety. They all do. Even a doctor needs to understand that. Um, I don't know about you, but if you've ever gone into one of the medical clinics and you go to you see your doctor and they leave the room, they never lock their computer. They leave it open. And you think, oh, my goodness. Those type of things are critical. We need to educate everybody. And, yes, got to start it at school. Absolutely. That, that's been a fascinating overview with probably a convenient time to, to wrap things up, Jacqueline. I've been talking to Jacqueline Jane from No Before. She's a security awareness advocate, tells you about stuff that you need to know when it comes to mucking about online, uh, dealing with dealing with um, bad actors online and, and all sorts of other wonderful things. Where can people find you online, Jacqueline? Oh, I'm everywhere. Um, the best place to connect with me will be on LinkedIn. Um, just type in Jacqueline Jane. I'm wearing a, an orange top. So you'll be able to find me and you'll see that I'm a security awareness advocate for No Before. I'm also on Twitter, not too much there, and uh, Clubhouse as well. So if any of your listeners are on the Clubhouse application, I'm also there doing quite a lot of uh, work in the cybersecurity world, keeping everyone safe as much as I can. I'm happy to talk to anyone at any time. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today, Tom. Oh, it's been an enormous amount of fun. It's an important message, so thanks for joining me. You're welcome. Have a great day. You too.